Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 173. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how you doing, buddy? I realized how old I am today, which isn't crazy old, but like still, I'm, I'm 36. Okay. And I went sledding with my kids because it's snowing here. Apparently, when it snows on Long Island, it just means like snow is falling, but it doesn't stick. You guys fooled me. You tricked me there. Yeah, big big time. We had uh, our first quote unquote snow of the season. It, it flurried for like maybe fifteen minutes where I was. Uh, I thought we were all going through the same thing, and it was fun. But until I found out it wasn't. Anyways, <laughs> so I'm sledding with my kids, and um, they're one is sitting on one leg and one is sitting on the other, and I'm going to push us off. And that's as soon as I do that. So picture me on on a um, a flying saucer, two kids on me, the four and five, like not crazy. You know, it was, I think one weighs 40, the other one's like 35 pounds, that is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nothing nothing much. And I'm going to push off by like putting my arms aside and pushing off the snow. And immediately, that's when I felt both of my triceps just not snap, but like you said earlier, cramp. And just absolute just pain. Just pain and tightness. And I'm rolling on the ground like, ah, oh, God. And my kids have no idea what's going on. They're just like, he might be dying. But you know what? We need to hit these slopes, baby. And so they're just going. and Like, they don't care at all. I'm rolling around trying to stretch it out. Ah, it's ridiculous. Amazing. Love that. Love that they were just like, well, you know, no soldier. Well, I mean, no soldier left behind was thrown out the window. And they're just like, F it. We're going to go back up and slide down this, this uh, slope a little bit more. All dads left behind. <laughs> Amazing. They're basically like cats, right? Like, yeah. he fed me, so like I don't care what happens to him. Yeah, unbelievable. That's amazing. What's going on with you? Uh, not a whole lot. Like, like I said, uh, first little snow of the of the year. We got a, a couple of flurries. I, I know that's huge, but uh, gonna be back up in the upper forties tomorrow and uh, Friday. So uh, it's gonna be <laughs> oh warm God. again. Wow. What? Whatever. You know. Climate change is real. I, I get it, but 
uh, we, we finally got some snow back. Like it snowed a while ago and it went all the way. It was all mm-hmm. melted with rain and hot, uh, hot weather. Mm-hmm. Now it's back, baby, and it's here to stay, I hope. Perfect. So let's hop into this episode, Mitch, because we got a lot to get to. Uh, mm. Obviously, we have some uh, some news with the potential January 13th. We'll get into that later on. But what we want to start with is Anthony Beauvillier. And, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to utilize your skill set, Mitch, because I'm going to be completely honest. We need your translation skills because Anthony Beauvillier hopped in a uh, hopped on a podcast or, or or show or something. And it was all in French. And I tried to watch it. You sent me the link. And, uh, and I tried to do the closed captioning thing, but the, once reading gets involved, I lose interest very quickly. So, <laughs> And it was a long interview. I, was, I didn't realize yeah. how long it was. Like half hour, maybe? Yeah. Maybe not that long, but like 20 to 30 minutes. And yeah, it's all in French, and it's not like really rough French. Uh, I've heard there, there's some really bad French out there in terms of like just broken and, and very joali, uh, and it's hard to follow even for like the translations or the... the what is it again? The captions. Uh, the captions, yeah. Close captions. The yeah. captions can't follow it because it just it doesn't make sense in actual French. Um, anyways, Bo speaks proper French, and so do the two uh, the two men on Anjou's, which is We Talk. And, and so they, they asked him a bunch of questions, right? About a whole bunch of things. Uh, the whole Anna Kendrick situation, they asked him about it. Um, they asked him about uh, what was... The, the main thing for me was what was the success for him this year? Right, like what what happened this year for him to become this not just top six player, but consistent top six player? Right, uh, because for years Bo was not that. Right, no, 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 no. Inconsistency was the name of the game for Anthony Bovillier, unfortunately, early on in his career. And uh, the the tough thing was he was real like expectations were really high at the end of twenty seventeen. 18 and then 18 19 came and then it was like a complete 180 and then going into last year is like all right what the hell like what is this guy which version is he and i think we kind of got an idea that it's going to be probably somewhere in the middle which is fine but now we just kind of know yeah like it might not be 60 point bow every year all year but it probably won't be 28 point bow either no it's probably going to be like maybe 40 to 50 yeah i think that's completely fair and reasonable Right, which is which is fine, and, and maybe on, in some year he might, you know, if, if everything goes well, maybe it's a sixty point season, maybe maybe more. But I, I think that's going to be his baseline. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so the, the transformation happened this year, and it was very clear, it was very evident. And so they asked him what changed, qu'est-ce qui and he laid it out to, as far as three factors. He said uh, being a fourth year pro really helped. Okay. That, that makes a whole lot of sense. You're in the league. You figure out how things work, where things need to be. Uh, you're not really too, too scared of your place. Like, obviously, you could get replaced, but, like, you've been here for four years, so, like, your first-year jitters are gone right. about being replaced. Um, and, and plus, he signed a deal, right, for two years, a, one, a one-way deal, so, like, getting sent to the AHL doesn't necessarily make sense for him. Uh, his next one was being under Barry Trotz and Lou Lamarello for the second year. Okay. That's enticing. So we, That's something that that interests me when you told me that. Because we forget how the coaching carousel specifically changed under for Bo, right? Like he came in under Capuano. He was gone within what, like six months, not even. Yeah, by January, three months probably. Right. Yeah. So he was gone within three months. You bring in Doug, who was just doing what Jack did with a different voice for the first six months and then completely changed things and basically burnt the house down, <laughs> yes. almost literally, in, <laughs> in his actual first year behind the bench. And then he gets Barry Trotz after that. 
Yes, Barry Trotz is a great coach, but that's coach number three. Figuratively, or technically, coach number four in three years. That's tough for a kid trying to figure out how to play the damn sport at the professional level. Right. No, absolutely. And with with all due respect to um, uh, the other two, Capuano and Waite, it's they're they're not in the same conversation of caliber a coach of uh, Barry Trotz, and I'm and I'm sure what Barry Trotz demands out of his players is very different than what Capuano and Wait. Well, I mean Capuano was more defensive mindset than than Wait, especially, but <laughs> that's but, an understatement. Yeah, but but <laughs> but still, even the the jump from a Capuano system to a Trot system. And what's expected of you is completely different, I feel like. Yeah, and so the thing that, that Bo said about Barry is that at the start of the year, he gave me more responsibility, uh, which is something that I learned when, when I was working back at my old day job is that to entice people to give you more, you don't always take things away, right? You don't take the punitive road all the time. Like, I'm going to take your ice time away or I'm going to take this away if you don't do this for me. Sometimes it's, I see the potential. I'm going to give you more and trust that you will perform at a higher caliber. And that's what happened this year. Bo got more penalty kill time. And to him, that was a huge confidence boost is what he said. And so going into the year, he had this huge confidence boost right away from day one saying, I'm going to play a lot of power uh, penalty kill time. He had 42 seconds of power uh, penalty kill time last year or two years ago in 1819. 42 seconds. Right. That's it. That it's nothing. Virtually nothing. And he had 42 minutes 46 seconds this year. Yeah, it's a big difference. So like he had that confidence going into the year and then he had a good start he says, which if you look at the stats he certainly did, uh productive wise. And so that just clicked and it never let up. He had the confidence, the confidence perf- uh uh what's the word I'm looking for? Um Oh my god! Manifested itself on the ice, and he yep. just rode that throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, no, it was obvious that, he, that that's exactly what happened because usually he was someone who tended to start slow and then mm. picked it up in the second half of the season. Where this year he was able to get going right away, which I feel like I feel like that plays a role in the confidence factor. If you start performing well early then it's like okay like I I got this and that's kind of what happened and then obviously there was that pause but even in the playoffs he came back and after that long break which was essentially an offseason he was good again so that that's a great sign so like he had four points in his opening three games of the season and then he went through a little bit of a lull and then by game 17 he put up uh was a one two three eight points in four games just yeah. went off, <laughs> went off, right? No, talk about a uh, a little bit of a hot streak right there. So, and that, that's what we expect from Bo, right? And, and that's emblematic of everything we've talked about him so far is that he's a, um, he's very streaky. Uh, he's very inconsistent, which happens, right? Like he's not a top tier player. He just isn't, no. but he's clearly a top six, maybe not top six. He's a second line player, maybe a first line if you don't have a, a good enough, you know, a better first line player than Bo. Uh, but but that all manifested itself this year. And then the third factor he brought up was Derek Brassard, actually. Which it shouldn't be surprised. Like it's not like Derek Brassard is such a bum that there's no way he can help anyone. Uh it, it just kind of 
It's it's a prize that he he singled out that one player, right? Like a guy that we realize is good and has a has a place, but maybe that place is can be better served given to someone else, right? Yeah, and the ironic thing is he failed. That I'm using that in air yeah. quotes, the word failed, at what he was originally brought in to do. He was supposed to be the, the third line center. And we learned pretty quickly that he was much better suited on the wing. And early on in the season, he found some success. And he was playing with Beauvillier, if I'm not mistaken, early on in the year, right? That's with Nelson, correct. too. So maybe just having that guy, the the professional who's been through it a lot. And um, Broussard speaks French also, right? That is correct. Yeah, so maybe that played a factor. Because you, you would think, like, okay, he's played with Brock. Like, Brock's a veteran who's been there and gone through his struggles and come came out the other side. So maybe they would be, you know, relate. But maybe he just relates more to the, the guy who speaks a language that he's most comfortable with. Yeah, exactly. Like, Bo gets, gets by in English, gets by very well. Everyone can understand him. He's got the accent, which I appreciate fully. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's definitely a, a French kid. Uh, so is Brassal, so is Peugeot, right? And mm-hmm. Barzell to an extent, right? Barzell knows how to speak French. Yeah, that's uh, true. So that, that certainly helps. Uh, but you're right. He gravitated towards a guy who's been in the league for 13 years. Uh, and, and he called him like a big brother to him in, okay. in, the, in the locker room. And apparently Derek Broussard is absolutely beloved in the locker room. Like, loved. And Bo said, and, is, and I'm going to quote him here, he said, I really hope he comes back. I really want him to come back. Okay. Interesting. Um, I don't think I would be stunned if the Islanders brought him back. Uh, it would have to be for very, very cheap, though. But And it's not like you're going to get in a bidding war over Derek Broussard. You could probably get him close to the veterans minimum, I'd imagine. Yeah, I don't think it's going to cost a lot. It would surprise me if he gets a raise. Um, it like maybe pre-COVID that would that would be possible. Like, well, we got you in the bargain bin. Here's a couple more dollars, you know, one point five instead of one point two type of thing. Yeah. Um, but now there, there's no way with the the amount of money not going around in the league, there's no way they're going to toss more than a million dollars at at Derek Brassard. Right. Here's eight hundred thousand. You know, thanks for coming back, kind of thing. Hmm. There's no reason to give him more than that. It just you don't have the monies, right? You just don't. You're, you might as well just bring in Oliver Wallstrom, who's definitely going to have a higher ceiling than uh, Derek Broussard, even if it's going to cost you, what, $64,000 more on the cap? Yeah, something like that. It's it's either 864 867 something like that. But Yeah, it's $70,000 well spent. No, I would I 100% agree with you on that. Uh, I, I am curious to see if he does, he being Lou Lamarillo, decide to to bring Broussard back into the mix and if if that holds weight like I feel like that has been rumored but I would put that behind like in the pecking order it seems like Green and Martin are right there in terms of coming like that's pretty much just an assumption at this point where Broussard's a little bit underneath that but I, I don't think I'd be super surprised if they brought back Broussard no it, it wouldn't be surprising to me it would be just kind of like a little deflating because that definitely means that Oliver Walsh is not going to get a spot or a Kiefer Bellows or even an Otto Cuevla who we'll talk about in a second. Like yep. it, it, to, to me, that means like we've set our roster. We have the guy that we want on the right side or Joshua saying even right. Like yeah. I know he signed for more AHL money, but he'd still like to play at the NHL. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. And you get Broussard and it's like, you have no chance, my friend. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like if the third line is Komarov, Pajot, 
Broussard, that would be rather deflating in my eyes. Yeah, like it, it screams veteran Barry Trotz. I get it, but like, and, and maybe it works. It's not to say that that line wouldn't work. It just wouldn't inspire me to think like they're going to be so much better this year. It would just be like, they'll, they'll be good, but like, ugh, I wish they would try harder with something else. No, would it intrigue you if they, uh, a little slightly off topic, but would it intrigue you if they brought Broussard back and had one of the kids on the other wing? So it would be Pajot, Broussard, because he's a lefty, he could play on either the left or the right wing. That's true. And either one of Bellows or Wallstrom on the other side, depending on whoever. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that for sure. Like, um, Broussard can give you more than, than Komarov can, five on five. Uh, he probably can't give you more uh, when it comes to the penalty kill, uh, but you know you 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 chalk up those minutes elsewhere, right? Like they have a million. I'm not guys really sure how play. many minutes Komarov got last year on the penalty kill. Let me bring they, that up. Well, you do that. They, they have a million guys who can play on the penalty kill. That's the most overrated thing with Leo Komarov that he's a, that he's a PK specialist. I own Sezikis, Clutterbuck, Nelson, Bailey, Bovillier. How many guys, How many forwards can you have <laughs> play on the PK, Mitch? It's insane. He had 66 minutes of penalty kill time last year. Okay. Which is down from 142 the year prior. Okay. He didn't play as much. No, 46 games compared to 81. So, you know, chalk that up to, let's say, half. Mm-hmm. But still, that's that's more than 50%. No, it is. Right? So, like, I, I yeah, they could... They could Toss that 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 those those numbers around elsewhere, right? Maybe give a few more more minutes to Bo, give them to someone else. May, maybe Brassard, although like he's barely played on the penalty heel in his entire career. True. Um, I think he played the most this year ever. Not even the most he's ever played in a single year was 19 minutes and 21 seconds in 1415. Huh. When he was with the Rangers. With the Rangers Outside right. of that, like he's usually averaging like under 10 minutes. Yeah. Okay. So. He's not going to play on the PK, but I'm not really super concerned about that because the Islanders have multiple, multiple people yeah. who, could, who could fill that role. Uh, while we're on the subject of the third line, do you want to move on and talk about uh, Otto Koivula and make our case there? Yes, sir. All right. So this is something we've brought up in podcast form and I recently brought up on the website. Um, when looking at the third line, most of the assumption is that it, it, JG Pajo is going to be the center. That's a given. But the wings are very much up for grabs. And most people are saying it's up for grabs between Oliver Wallstrom, Kiefer Bellows, Leo Komarov, and Michael Dalcole. Those are usually the four. But I would like to enter in a fifth name in Otto Koivula. And I know you, we're going to get into the on the farm section next, but you have written about and watched a lot of Otto Koivula recently, and, and you and I agree, but... How, why do you think he could fit so well on that line? Well, what's the one thing that the New York Islanders like from all of their players? A, good, a well-rounded game, two-way game. A solid defensive player. And Barry Trotz has said last year that I fully, I have full trust or full faith in Otto Koivula in the defensive zone. Yeah, it's Does big. he have that for any of those other players? Maybe Michael Delcole. I wouldn't say he has that faith in Oliver Wallstrom. I wouldn't say he's got that faith in Kiefer Bellows either. No, I don't think so. I definitely don't think so. And that that's so that's almost surprising because if you look at his ice time, his being out of Coivilla, he, he played less than 10 minutes in like eight of his 12 games, I'm going to say. 
That makes sense. I'm going to bring it up now because I, I don't have it readily available. So he averaged, uh, where is it, 7 minutes, 55 seconds of ice time this year in 12 games played. Right. So let's just bring up these game logs. So clearly he's not going to have a whole lot more than that. He, the most he got was 13 minutes. My God, the ads bouncing this page around everywhere. Uh, he had 13 minutes, 39 seconds in a game against Detroit on January 14th. That's the most he ever got. Okay. So this isn't someone who's gotten a lot of ice time, so it's not like he has a huge sample size to show Barry Trotz, but the fact that Barry trusts him in such a limited uh, sample size I, I think is uh, is interesting. Yeah, he's got a 70% defensive zone starts. Yeah. Like The Islanders don't mind using him in the D zone. They really don't. So that, that to me is key number one, right? Like already point to Koivula, like maybe two points to Koivula right now. Right. Something else that I like, and I'm sure we could talk about, is is his size. He's big, six four two fifteen two twenty something like that. I'm in a round up, I believe. So yeah, six four two twenty is what he's listed on Hockey Reference. That is a big kid. Yeah, he's big, and I, I think that would work in the style in which the third line is likely to play. Yeah, like he's a big kid. He uses his body uh, well, relatively. He's got what? He's got twelve hits in twelve games. Like he's giving you a hit per game. Uh, which is what you want from a guy with a big body. And keep in mind, he's averaging just under eight minutes of ice time, which is nothing, right? Like Matt Martin usually gets nine to 11 minutes. Right. Uh, so like he's he's not getting a lot of ice time. He's only ever played 12 games at the NHL, of course. So like getting your bearings is, is obviously something to do. Uh, so yeah, he's got a big body. He can use it. Um, and that that's a huge advantage to him. Again, like... It's not to say that Otto Koivula, or sorry, um, Oliver Walsham isn't a big kid. Like, I believe he's 6'1", 180, maybe 190, I'm, I'm going to round up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kiefer Bellows isn't a small kid either, um, but he's clearly bigger, right? Like, 6'4 is huge for a skater. No, it is. It is. He's a big boy. And uh, I, I am def- I'm intrigued with what he could potentially do. And, and not a, a fourth line role because I feel like that and that's what he was essentially playing in his most recent stint and I feel like he has enough offensive upside and I'm not saying he's going to be someone you put in your top six but someone who could play on the third line and you'd be like okay if he could play with JG Pajot and maybe Derek Brassard too he maybe he gives you like 16 goals in a season or something like that. Well, we've seen him perform at the AHL level, right? So he has 68 points in 105 games at the AHL level. He had 22 and 36 this year, but he bounced up and down, right, between the NHL and AHL. Yeah. And he had 46 and 69 last year, or two years ago, I should say, 18-19, in his first professional season. And that's when he was moved from the wing to center. So, again, point to Koivula, he can play different positions, right? He can play on Mm -hmm. the wing and he can play down the middle. So, huge right, right there and then. And then out in, in Finland, he has, let me bring it up here, 11 points in 14 games. He's sixth on the HIFK team in terms of points. But you have to remember, he didn't start the season with everybody else. No. He was a late addition to the roster. So he's like five to three games back of everybody else. You give him another five, and he's probably third, maybe fourth on the team in terms of scoring at like 15, 17 points. That, uh, just on the fact that he's 11 and 14 is incredible uh he was again a late addition to the roster he didn't score in his first two games and then they just kept coming and he went like on an eight game point streak i think it was i'm just spewing out a number here just because i don't have it in front of me uh one two three it wasn't that long there's there's one he's got one little game where he's got nothing there but it's like 
he's got like 10 points in like eight games or something ridiculous. Yeah, that that's it's impressive. And obviously that's not the the NHL level, but it is I mean it's it's good competition that he's playing against and he's already been uh rather uh effective in the AHL already. He's someone who I, I think if he were to go back to the AHL this year, which isn't out of the realm of possibility, I feel like he'd be someone who kind of like has outgrown it and is kind of just waiting around. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's at a Sebastian Ajo crossroads, right? Like, yeah. he's mm. too good for the, maybe not too good, but he's good enough to go to the next level or to get a tryout at the next level. But there are too many players ahead of him that he's not getting the fair shot. Right. And so he's sitting there in limbo going like, when am I going to get my chance? And this year might be his chance. Yeah, it, it very well could be. And I, I am definitely intrigued with him getting a look. Uh, yes, maybe Kiefer Bellows and Oliver Wallstrom have a higher offensive ceiling than Otto Koivula. I would not argue that. But with Koivula, I think his well-rounded game and the fact that he's versatile, can play center or on the wing, gives him a slight edge. Exactly. He's got, he checks a lot of boxes for the Islanders. His ceiling may not be as high as like the two guys you said, um, but they know they can put him in the roster now. He can serve a role, and he should theoretically be better than some of the guys they've already got, like Michael Del Cole. Right? Like, this should be, he, they should get more out of Otto Koivula than they should out of Michael Del Cole. Yeah, oh, I would definitely say so. Uh, and how that's another thing is how much longer do you want to continue to run back the Michael Del Cole experiment? And I think in the playoffs, we saw the fact that he only played three games now. Yeah. Like maybe he's starting to, you know, fall out of favor with uh, Barry Trotz. I had him fall out of favor in my top uh, top 25 under 25. Like he was low considering he's playing at the NHL level, right? He had, uh, was it 53 games at the NHL level this year, scoring 10 points, where a lot of the players around him were not at the NHL level. Uh, so, like, in my mind, he's his stock has fallen considerably. Well, just look at his minutes, right? He's averaging 13.21 year one, 12.07 year two. This is the NHL level. Mm-hmm. And then 11.48 this year. And then at, in the playoffs, he had three games averaging nine minutes and 59 seconds. Like, it's just going down every time he gets out there. Yeah, it, it feels that way. And, you know, we make the jokes about the flat line, but it, it, it's he's not going to move the needle forward at all he's just if you want a guy who can just exist out there then he, he he's your man but it's not like at least you know we just kind of threw him under the bus not too long ago that with talking about leo komarov and how he's just pretty much a pk guy at least he can do that where dal cold doesn't play on the power play doesn't play on the pk he kind of just exists at five on five which not really that valuable no, that that's just it, right? Like if you're just if you're just there to soak up minutes, well, can you not get another person to soak up minutes and give you something? Yeah, yeah, you could. Like, there's a reason he's a replacement level player because arguably you could just get anyone to do that what he does, and hopefully it turns around for Del Cole this year. I I just don't see it, and I can see an Oliver, uh, sorry, an Otto Koivula coming in and taking that role because he can give whatever Michael Del Cole is giving you and more, like con- probably considerably more. Yeah, I would say so. And so that that's a huge benefit for the Islanders. Will they give the will they give him the role? I I don't know. Like if I had to pick like my how it would roll out or my depth chart for that third wing, third line left wing or, or whatever wing position, it, it goes uh, Wallstrom, Koivula, Bellows in that order. Okay, I think that's probably fair. 
And like Walsham and Koivula are a lot closer than you think. Yeah, it's almost. I would say it's like maybe what, like fifty-five, forty-five, something like that. Yeah, it'd be like one Walsham, one point five Koivula, three Bellows. Yeah, Even I think that's I fair. skipped two, but I think you get the joke I, there. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. It wasn't funny if I have to explain it. <laughs> do you want to get down to the farm, see what's going on around the prospects? Yes, sir. Let's do that. Uh, so where where do you want to begin exactly with down to the farm? Just there, there's so many like barnyard Can, friends here that I don't know where to begin. Yeah, I, I would like to talk about the NCAA. I feel like we've neglected them a little bit. We have. that. That's for sure. Because uh, like... They only recently started, and a lot of my attention was focused on what's going on overseas that I forgot that their season started already. Um, but they're all, well, as far as I know, most of them are playing. Ex- well, not all of them, sorry. Uh, but is it Logan Cockerell still is yet to play? So he's out at Boston University. Their season was already delayed, and then there's a, there was a COVID test just recently on December 3rd, and that further delayed any any beginning to their season. So they're just kind of like sitting around waiting for it to start. He was recently named captain of the team. So he's looking to have a, a good year uh, for BU. Uh, he was a seventh round pick in 2017 by the Islanders. Um, right. So like now is the time to, to do something. Okay. Uh, but outside of that, I want to talk about Alex Jeffries. Okay. Specifically. Yeah, so he's a fourth round pick from this year and just went to the collegiate level this year. Um, out at Merrimack College, and he is on fire right now. Okay. He's got three points in two games to start his career. He opened his account, well, I, I say account, but like he opened his goal account, we'll say, with this like really nice, uh, there's really nice goal uh, against um, University of, of, of uh, UMass, Massachusetts, I guess. Yeah. I don't really know all the teams very well, but like he skates down the wing. So one of the things that we've, we heard about him in his draft was that he's a speedy winger. Mm-hmm. And he showed it on this goal against UMass where he just picks up the puck in his own zone, goes flying, gets the defenseman to bite. But he's so quick, the defenseman just kind of like stabs at it and it like pulls himself out of the play, cuts in front of the net, boom, it's in. Beauty goal. Like getting in front of the net was like what was the best part of that. Obviously, the goal is great, but like the fact that he was able to generate that speed, open up a lane, and then put it in, incredible. From a fourth round pick. Yeah, no, that's a really good sign. And he he's a youngin, right? If he's just getting to college now, he's an eighteen year old. Yeah, he. I believe he just turned eighteen recently. Uh, no, sorry, that's uh, Rajan Yemi. So uh, I forget when Alex Jeffrey's birthday is. I have to look this up now because I want to know it for my own sake. Uh, Merrimack, where are you, buddy? Let's pull up his his profile here. He, uh, oh, they don't list it. Way to go, Merrimack. Unbelievable. Oh, there he is. Born November 8th, 2001. So he just turned 19 in November. Okay. Still not, not, not bad for someone who's young. He's probably, he's going to be there for a little bit, but that's intriguing to see. I, I like speed. Speed excites me. Yeah. And like you said, he's, this is year one. This is game two. Right, like he's got a ways to go, but so far so good. And you're going, all right. If this continues, holy Hannah, we might have something on our hands here from a fourth round pick, and that gets that gets you excited from some of the other guys that we've been hearing about, right? Like third round pick Alexander Jungkrantz, and you're going, all right, he's dominating at the at the U20 level uh, in the SHL, and now he's playing at the SHL level. Sweet. Um, you have fifth round pick William Zafool, who was 
dominant, just scoring goals left, right, and center at the QMJHL level. Awesome. Then you have six-round pick Matthias Rajaniemi, who's now playing for Team Finland. Well, sorry. He was invited to the 35-man camp for Team Finland's World Junior Championship roster. Whether he makes the 24-man squad or not is still debatable. Right. I don't think he makes it, but he's a big defender, and he's playing a, a decent amount of minutes at the legal level, which is against men, right? And this guy just turned 18 on September 11th. Right. So. That, no, that's a good sign. If you're that young and playing with you know people who are that much older than you and playing well or well enough, that's that's a really good sign. Yeah, and then we got our big, huge goalie in the seventh round, who's doing relatively well at the at the um, Mestis level, which is the league below Liga. So, like, you're looking at these picks, and yeah, we didn't have a first and second round pick, but looks like we did our homework for picks three through seven or rounds three through seven, and we got some decent value so far. So far, right? Obviously, a lot of time, and it's still very, very early. But uh, another thing that I wanted to ask you about was uh, Finland. So they're yep. shutting it down for a little bit. So how, what's that going to impact for uh, the Islanders? Well, so the Mestis League is out until December 19th, arguably December 26th, because there's no games between the 19th and 26th. Right. And so that impacts Otto Koivula. It impacts Rajan Yemi, although he's, again, with Team Finland. So that kind of gives him you know, a, a team to be practicing with. Although all these teams are still, um, they're still training, all of them. Uh, it's not like, oh, we closed down, we can't play any games, go home and sit and play Xbox for a couple of weeks. They're still training with the regular squads, with coaches and so on and so forth. So I said Koivula, and then I said uh, Rajaniemi with Pelicans. And we also have a uh, second-round pick in 2018, Ruslan Ishkakov, who is playing with TPS, uh, who is also sidelined for now because of this COVID break up until December 26th. Uh, and so that's that the, the, the main three. And then we have two other guys playing at the Mestis level who are done for the calendar year. They're not back till January. And that's uh, Jakob Skarek, who was playing with um, uh, Pelitat at the Mestis League. And then we had uh, Henrik Tikkanen, who was that seventh round pick giant goalie the big who's guy. playing with IPK. And they're, they're out done until January 1st. Although, who knows with some of those guys, mm-hmm. right? Because like, they could call back Koivula real soon, and they can call back, um, what's his name, uh, Skarik real soon as well. Right. So, okay. Uh, so, go ahead. As far as I know, camps are supposed to open December 28th, like NHL camps. If there's a 10-day quarantine period, I would expect Otto Koivula to be here in North America at the latest, the 18th of December. But I've already seen some players like Nico Huescher posted on, on his uh, Instagram that he's heading over from wherever he was. I imagine it was Switzerland um, heading back to North America. So I would imagine that Otto Koivlo is probably doing the same soon. Right. Especially if they're not playing too. Exactly. But they are training, right? So like yeah, HIFK is still having training sessions and stuff. But at what point you're like, I still need to kind of rest a bit to get ready for camp. So like. We'll, we'll see what happens here, especially if he's got a chance to make the NHL. He's going to want to like maybe get settled before he has to like jump right into getting into camp. Absolutely. So anything else on down on the farm before we move this thing along? Um, there's not a whole lot else going on. Like uh, Oliver Wallstrom is back and scoring, and, and that's about it. Like there's a ton of players here that just aren't really playing, or there's no news. Like Anatoly Golishev, nothing's really going on there. Robin Sallow just eating up minutes. Uh, I, I have uh, some, I have some questions in with Anatoly Golishev. 
So we'll just wait to see what uh, what he says about that. Because I keep hearing that like he's not going to come. Well, he said in April that he's coming. What changed yeah. between April and now? Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I'm curious to see what happens with that. So n- news potentially coming with Anatoly Golishev or or not. We'll see, but like I've got questions in with him that I, I have yet to hear back. But like I just sent them today, so we'll we'll see what he says in a couple days from now. Absolutely awesome. Want to get into the quiz? Let's do it. It is episode one hundred and seventy-three of the Eyes on Isles podcast. Matt, are you ready for this week's quiz? Let's do it. Okay, let's see if you can get it better than last week. I don't know. You might have a hard time, so I made them a little bit easier. Um, okay. Are you ready? Just in case, for those at home who aren't aware, every week we play a game where I get Matt to guess a specific player who's played for the New York Islanders, who's played X or done X. This week, it's 73. That's the key. Okay? Okay. You have five guesses. Each one is progressively easier. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Clue number one. I was born not far from Timmins, Ontario. The reason I say not far is because he's got a, the town name is very specific and I feel that might give it away. So Timmins, Ontario, he's very close to there is where he was born. Okay, I don't have a guess yet. Perfect. Two, I played 890 games in the NHL for five different teams over his entire career. Including the Islanders, obviously. Including the Islanders, okay. All right, next. Three, my son currently plays in the NHL and was almost traded to the Islanders. Uh, JP Parise. Nice. I didn't know if you'd get it right away. Yes. Good job. All right. Four was I was traded to the Isles in 1974 because my team, the Minnesota North Stars, thought I was washed up. I'd score 171 points in 240 games with the Islanders and 16 points in 17 playoff games in 1975. Five, I'm JP and my son is Zach. That would have given it away easily. Yes, but th- that was good. You had me fooled on the first two and then that third one, I, you gave me enough in order to get it, but that was a fun I one. Didn't know if I should have used that one four or three. I wish I had to flip them, but either way, it doesn't matter. It's only for fun. Absolutely. So there you go. Okay, love that. Good on you getting it for number three. Good job, buddy. Thank you. Let's get into the social segment. We'll see what's going around on Isles Twitter. Mitch, what do you got for us this week? Uh, mine, my first one comes from, oh, I'm going to screw up this, this last name. I'm sorry. Will Shirushi, I hope, um, at, at Will Shirushi. Uh, should Pat LaFontaine have his number 16 retired by the Islanders? <sighs> wow. Right? Uh, that That is such, he, he is, like the de- you know the ho- we get into the hall of very good debates. He is right there on the fence. Like you can sell- you can make points for and against. How many years did he play for the Islanders? He played eight years for the Islanders, the most of any team in the NHL. That he only played for three, but the most. He is so borderline. It's close. Five hundred sixty-six points in five hundred thirty games, two hundred eighty-seven goals. Um. I, I'm with you. I'm just, just. I don't know if I should take points away because he wanted to go, but like the reason he wanted to go is because ownership was terrible. Yeah, it's we, that that like that. That's not necessarily his fault. No, it's not. I, I'm so on the fence with this. I I. I guess I would lean, no. 
I, I would also. I can't be like, I'm not going to put Josh Bailey in my uh, Islanders Hall of Fame if I'm not, or, or raise Josh Bailey's number to the rafters if I'm not going to put uh, Pat LaFontaine, right? Like, Pat LaFontaine is such a better player than Josh Bailey as much as I love him. I, I wouldn't put Josh Bailey up there, or I wouldn't put Pat LaFontaine, so I wouldn't put Josh Bailey. Let's just say that. Yeah, that's fair. I turned that one around, but you know where I was going. I, I, Who's I, yours? Um, my first one uh, is uh, so a little tidbit from Forbes. Did you see where the Islanders come in in terms of value? I did. Yes, 16. 16 that was, that's up, right, from 18 last year. Yeah, it's going up, and they lost money. They lost a lot of money this year. <laughs> so, the most in the league. Right, so that... That's a good sign, trending in the right direction. And then, obviously, when they move into Belmont next year, that's gonna you'd assume that's going to help a lot, too. Yeah, so there's only the Islanders and, I believe, five other teams whose valuation did not change from last year. The okay. other five teams, the Rangers, the Leafs, the Canadians, the Blackhawks, and the Bruins. Okay, so... Which are also teams. the top five most valued, literally all billion-dollar franchises. Yeah. Yeah, the all like super super well valued. So okay, interesting. So that that's important. And yeah, like they they lost a lot of money, but they did a lot of upgrading everywhere. They're spending to the cap, and we know that the seats aren't being filled. We know that. Like I think Forbes said the ad the the amount of revenue per fan was like nine dollars, whereas the Rangers are getting like thirty two. Okay. Yeah, they also sell a lot of sweets though with the Rangers. Well, exactly right. So you double that when like. L- Let's say you double that when Belmont opens or UBS. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. That'll help. They're going to be making money in a while. I'm not worried about that one bit. Yeah, no, I totally think so, too. I agree. Uh, My next one comes from Kim M. I think everyone knows at Isles Girl 3. Yes. On Twitter. Uh, She says, some people have asked if I've always been this nuts for the Isles. Here's a shot four years ago of me in high school locker room. And she's got the Islanders jersey, the Islanders hat on, Islanders leggings. Um, she doesn't have the lipstick, but like I'm sure that was on the next stage of her evolution. Um, which got me to think, what's like the most decked out Islanders in maybe the the, the weirdest situation? Like a, a locker, high school locker room bathroom isn't where you would expect someone to be decked out in Islanders gear. Where where was it for you? Where have you been the most decked out in Islanders gear in the weirdest place? <laughs> okay. Uh, I got a good one. So I guess it was last, not this past season, the year before that, I went to a game at the Barclays Center with my friend. And so we were on the train. So we were drinking on the train. We went to the game. We had a few drinks there. Uh, and then we went out to dinner. We took a subway to Manhattan. We had dinner in the in the city with our group of friends. And then it was our friend from college's birthday. So we took the train back to Long Island, went to Babylon to Lily Flanagan's. So I, at this point, there's about 12 hours of drinking at this point. I'm blasted. But in Lily Flanagan's in Babylon and like everyone's, it's like, it's kind of clubby vibes and everyone's dancing and I'm just there like bobbing along in like my Nick Letty jersey and Islanders hat. Like that's just like <laughs> so I feel like so random. Like everyone just has like, you know, a collared shirt on and like they're trying to be all dressed up tonight. I'm like covered in sweat from just like being out all day and just sweating so much vodka out of my body. <laughs> Basically Russian. 
Uh, more or less, yes. <laughs> uh, mine was camping. So okay. we all know that I have this this Islanders onesie, right? I got it mm-hmm. when I went to the the JT game. It's an Islanders p- like pajama fleece onesie. And when I go camping, or anyone goes camping, you sit by the fire until the late hours of the night. Well, it gets cold at night. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put on a damn onesie. I'm not going to put like a big sweater or a big coat and pants and what? The onesie. And then I'm done. Because that thing is toasty warm. It is surprisingly toasty. And it was great. It's like, what is it? September, maybe? This is like, I think last year. You're September, and no one's thinking hockey just yet. No one's thinking that specifically in Ottawa, and no one's thinking that Islanders either. It was such a weird setting to be walking around with my Islanders onesie, and, and it's bright blue, right? Like blue yeah. and orange. It's very loud, uh, so it's just the weirdest setting to be having the most Islanders thing possible. It was great. Love that. Uh, last one from me is just, it's not from one account specific, but just... I want to talk about all the rumors with the with the return to play. So it looks like January 13th, 56-game season, divisions realigned. Islanders division looks tough, but I, the last two days, Mitch, I have been so happy. I don't know about you, but just getting all the, the this figured out, and it seems like we are inches away from an NHL season, has me overjoyed. Oh, absolutely! Like we we, we spent what is it, nine months of off season, and yes. now we're like, let's go give me some damn hockey, and here we go. We're getting some damn hockey. Uh, it's great. Uh, I can't wait for it to start. You're right. The division looks tough. Boston. It's what we thought, right? Mm-hmm. Boston, Buffalo, and then the, the the rest of the division stays. The only change is again they come in, and then Carolina, Columbus goes out. But like. It's going to be tough. And and on a 56-game uh, schedule, oh, I, I just want to see how it works, where they're going to play, how frequently, and so on and so forth. That's that When I see the schedule, that's when it's going to be real. Yes, no, absolutely. I, I, I can't wait. I already started my uh, player expectations, wrote about Anders Lee today, and we'll probably do another one tomorrow and just keep pounding these out until we get to uh, opening night. Can't wait. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, my last one here is from at V Pericone 92. So it's Vincent Pericone. I hope I pronounced that right. I'm sorry. And it's uh, he's replying to Frankie Borelli. I think everyone knows who he is. And because uh, Frankie tweeted out, uh, th- there's that screen grabs of the all the retro reverse jerseys in NHL 21. Yeah. yeah. And like the picture of Matthew Barzal is it looks like Matthew Barzal in 20 years from now. OK. He just looks very aged. Anyways, uh. Vincent replies to that with his gif of Kevin Spacey. So it's, I guess it's Kevin Spacey night somewhere. So he's got the Kevin Spacey mask, right? Like, and then he, he turns it away and it's Kevin Spacey. And as Vincent says, the Isles showing up in the retro reverse jerseys. And then that gif. And that, that makes hilarious. Yeah, that, that's hilarious. perfect. That's literally the, the perfect, that's the perfect meme for it. That and the people who had the office one where it's like corporate wants you to find the difference between these two pictures. It's those could not be any more perfect. I, I love it. That's that's amazing. Wow, well, it's a darker blue. We get it. It's a darker blue. They, and they flipped it. They two flipped colors. it. We get it. They flipped it, Mitch. That it's completely different. It looks nothing like the jerseys they wore in the late 90s and early 2000s either. So I don't know where you got that idea from either. But uh, yeah, 
I also don't get the people it. like, I don't understand. These things look fresh. Of course they look fresh because the regular ones look. Oh, God, we're doing the whole thing. Again, I know. But it, I, it just it drives me nuts. Like, what do you mean you don't like them? It's not that I don't like them. It's that it's not creative and it's not fun. And this whole thing was supposed to be creative and fun. Exactly. <laughs> what I, you could not have explained it any better. Yes, it looks nice. It can also be very boring at the same time, and you could want more, which I, I think we fall in that exact same boat. Yeah, exactly. So that was my last one. I just, yeah, I thought that was funny. And it didn't get a lot of likes, so I, I'm going to hit up it up with a like because uh, it deserves more attention. So thank you, everyone, for that. Absolutely. So before we go, just a couple of plugs. Wherever you are listening to this, please make sure to subscribe. Give a rating and review. That could really help us out. We appreciate all the love and support. You could also follow along with us on social media at Eyes on Isles FS. My Twitter is Matt O'Leary NY. Mitch is over at TLO Mitch. Facebook, Facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. You can download the Eyes on Isles app available for iPhone or Android. You could also visit the website, EyesOnIsles.com. And last but not least, check out the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Eyes on Isles gets you a bunch of bonus content for five bucks a month. You get post game shows during the season, which will be here before you know it. A mailbag show, which we're going to record after this. A live stream with Mitch. whole bunch of fun stuff over there. It's an absolute blast, right? Something going up every day. Uh, now that the season is here, or basically here, we're trying to ramp, ramp this up even more because uh, everyone's getting excited. Uh, this should be a good time. Hit up the patron. It's 5 bucks a month. It's absolutely worth it. You won't regret your $5 being spent there. Absolutely. But that's going to do it for us on episode 173. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson. And we'll talk to you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.